Oh, good morning. Hey, this morning, we are going to continue in our series of Back to Basics. If you have not been with us in the series, uh, most of you have, uh, it's been a really good series. We're getting back to the basics of what we believe, getting back to the basics of what Christianity is, getting back to what it is we hold dear. The first, uh, this is going to be the first of two messages about thankfulness. So we are still in our Back to Basic series, but with an emphasis in thanksgiving. This morning, I want to start with a shout for the Lord this morning. And Psalm 100, verse 1 through 5 says this, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. That includes you, right? So how about you guys shout for joy this morning? I heard about four voices there. How about you shout for joy this morning? I need everybody to stand up. Everybody stand. That means you too, Mark. Get up there. Come on. Mark, oh boy, here we go. I got a microphone now. Who can shout for joy this morning? Mark, can you shout for joy this morning? Shout. <laughs> Mike, you can, can you shout for joy for us? Amen. That's a good, that's, all right. Alan. Amen. Amen. How, I looked at Blake, and he just looked down. Oh, let's see. Carol. Oh, yeah, you can't talk right now. We have all been blessed this morning. <laughs> oh, yeah. Braxton, shout for joy. Hallelujah. I think some people need the, a definition of what shout means. How many have a shout in them this morning? Hallelujah. There's better. How, Caleb, come on. Caleb, you got a shout? Nothing? Yeehaw. That's a shout. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. That means you. So shout for joy. Amen. Worship the Lord with gladness. That's you. Come before him with joyful songs. We just did that. Amen. Know the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. Enter his, his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise this morning. Amen? We are called to enter the church with thanksgiving. We are called to enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Amen. Amen. Doug, you've got a microphone up there. Go ahead and give a shout. Hallelujah. <laughs> Better. Let's pray this morning. Lord, I thank you for the word. Lord, I thank you that we can come into your gates with thanksgiving and into your courts with praise. Lord, I thank you that we can come with a shout, that we can come knowing that you are good and you are able. Lord, I pray this morning as we go through the word, as we go through the message, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, that it would stay with us, that it wouldn't leave us. But even throughout the week, we would be reminded of your goodness. We thank you and praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. How many know that verse has such a leading directive to it? How many know that we as believers, it's, it's not a suggestion or a maybe you should, we should be praising the Lord. Amen? 
Amen. You're all standing. Go ahead and lift your hands in the air. Go ahead and lift your hands in the air. This, this is an act of surrender to God, saying, Lord, I give you my life. I give you my all. Can, can you, without music, without, without worship team, without all that, can we just worship him this morning? saying, Lord, I worship you. Lord, I praise you. I give you glory. I give you honor. I give you majesty for who you are in my life. You may be seated this morning. We are led with love towards how to engage with our creator. How many, I mean, that, that's pretty amazing that we get to engage with our creator. Shout for joy, worship with gladness. Know the Lord is God. Why? Because he is who made us. We are his. He is mine. How many know I brought some good news this morning? I brought some good news this morning. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever, right? The passage in itself sums up why I am so thankful. He made us. We are his. He is mine. How many are glad to know that we are his? And how many can say he is mine? This morning, as we're continuing in our Back to basic series over the next two weeks, we're going to tie in the truth of the basics with the season of thanksgiving. So today, we're going to get into the truth about the process of our salvation. How many are thankful that God has reached out to us with the gift of salvation? Amen? Now, there might be some here that have never accepted that gift. Maybe some who are watching online who have never accepted that gift. We're going to get into that. We are, as a church, part of what's called the FCA, or the Fellowship of Christian Assemblies. And every week we've gone through the Back to Basics, and we see the FCA statement of what we believe. So go ahead and go to that website. It's pretty small, so I made it bigger on the next slide. It says, we believe, and go to the next slide. Go ahead. There's not another one? What in the world's going on? Oh, it might have been locked. Oh, well, here's what it says. If you can't read it. It says, we believe that justification by faith, we believe that justification by faith in the atonement of Jesus Christ and regeneration by the Holy Spirit are absolutely essential for the salvation of lost and sinful man. How many remember what justification is? Anybody remember that? We preached about this quite a few years ago. Justification is, the, it's an easy way to remember. Here you go. I am justified by the blood of Jesus. And because of his sacrifice, it is justified never sin. Because of his blood. In other words, we are made pure by the blood of the Lamb. Amen? We're made pure by the blood of Jesus. How many know what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. How many are excited about the blood this morning? That's a weird thing to say, isn't it? You get excited about blood. I get excited about the cross. I get excited thinking about what Christ did for me. Even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen? How many are awake this morning? How many, you got that extra hour of sleep last week, and 
and then this week now you're just dragging, right? How many are glad that Jesus Christ offers us salvation? Amen. The gift of salvation. If we're looking at the FCA website, what it means and what we believe, justification means being made righteous in the eyes of God. And it's only possible because of the Son. When we genuinely respond to the gift of the cross, there is a work of what's called regeneration that is done by the Holy Spirit. Now, this is the process of salvation. It's also, just to be fair, been a subject of debate for years and years and years. Now, a few years ago, we went through the book of Romans together. How many remember our series in Romans? We went through every book of Romans together. And we studied the differences between what's called Calvinism and Arminianism. It's a good teaching. It's worth listening to. I'm sure it's on YouTube. You can go back and listen to it uh, when you have the time. But in regards to our regeneration... Calvinism teaches that our regeneration is a decree of God. Arminianism teaches that a sinner must repent and place their faith in Christ as a condition to regeneration. And in this manner, regeneration is by faith, not by decree. Amen? Regeneration is by faith, not by decree. So, what comes first, faith or regeneration? That's a good question. Some people would say regeneration comes first. Some people would say faith comes first. It's been debated for a long, long time. It's been debated within the body. And while I'm not saying it's an irrelevant debate, I will say that at the end of the debate, those who are saved are still saved. Amen? At the end of the, the debate, those who are saved are still, still saved. So whether it's the chicken or the egg, how many of you know what I'm talking about? So what came first, the chicken or the egg? Now, I can tell you, it was the chicken. Read your Bible. <laughs> okay? It was the chicken. But whether it's the chicken or the egg in this instance is a question for the Lord in eternity. How many know there's just some questions I got for God? Right? How many have questions for the Lord? I do. Just a few of you? Nobody else has questions? I got lots of questions. He's going to say, go dance on a cloud or something. I'm not going to rehash the whole sermon that I preached in Romans, but here's where we stand on the issue. God in his omniscience, how many omniscience? He, he sees all, right? He sees the beginning to the end and sees who will accept the gift of salvation. For whom he foreknew, he predestined and called and justified. People get tripped up about this. People get tripped up about predestination and election, and they get pre, you know, tripped up about all these types of things. What does it mean? It's simply this. God sees. God knows all, including when you would come to know him. He called you and you were justified, and one day you will be glorified with Christ. Amen? One day. Not too soon. Hope it's not too soon. But there are some people that we know that are already glorified right now. There's some people we know that have passed on into glory, and they're dancing with Jesus right now. Amen? How many remember Bob Williams, Bob and Dolores? They're both right there, up there. They're not listening to me, I, I bet you. They're not down. They're like, whoa, what's Pastor David saying this week? Let me take notes. That, none of that's happening, I'm sure. They're up there dancing with the Lord. Romans 8 says this. What can we say to these things? Verse 31, if God is for us, who can be against us? If God be for me, tell me. Who in the world could be against me? 
in the darkness of night. He is the light that shines within me. I will not fear. I will not fall. He is my father and he calls me his own. If God before me, tell me who in the world could be against me. If God before you, who can be against you? You say, Pastor David, do you understand what it's like outside of these church doors in this world right now? If God be for us, who can be against us? They, how many ever, uh, how many ever seen a dog that has like a bark to it? I mean, a dog with a bark. How many ever, how many ever seen a dog that just barks as loud as it, just loud, right? How many ever, you've also seen, I've seen it, when there's a dog that barks super loud, and when you confront it, kind of, right? Have you ever seen that? The enemy is a dog with a loud bark, but he's just a little chihuahua. What's a small, what's smaller than a chihuahua? Anybody, dog people? What? That's about it, right? Just a Pomeranian. I don't know what that is. What is, uh, doesn't matter. Small dogs. <laughs> we can get into it. The enemy is a dog with a loud bark. And many times as believers, we hear that loud bark and we run. We cower. We, we live in fear. If God be for me, tell me who in the world could be against me in the darkness of night. He is the light that shines within me. Right? How many know that if God be for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare, verse 32, his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us, who is interceding for us. What that means is he is praying for you. He is praying for you. You say, I'm in this situation and I feel alone. You are not alone. Amen? Not just by prayer for those within the body, but Jesus is interceding for you. He is praying for you. Verse 35 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Verse 36 says, as it is written, for your sake, we shall face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. And then it says what we should never forget in verse 37. It says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Amen. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God this morning. 
There is nothing that can separate you. There's no height, there's no depth that can separate us from the love of God. How many know that when when we are messed up and stuck in this weary world, we get stuck in the muck and mire, we can lean on the fact that I am his, he is mine, and nothing can separate us from the love of God. We can lean on that fact this morning. I will not fear. How many know if God be for us, who can be against us? Can we just talk this morning? Can we talk just... You know, sometimes I, we talk as pasture, sheep, shepherd, flock, right? Sometimes we just go through things as believers, just believer and believer. And I struggle and you struggle. And we go through those struggles together. We go through those struggles together because as believers, we face the same things a lot of times. If God before me, tell me who in the world could be against me. And we read the scripture and we think about that. We say, man, God, if you're for us, nobody can be against us. How many know in our life, in our time, when, when we're living outside of the walls of the church, there's many things that come against us. And it seems like there's a lot of people struggling right now. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or stand up or tell me what you're struggling about. But how many are struggling this morning? How many of you just say, you know what, I, there's, there's stuff going on in my life. There's stuff going on with people I love that something needs to change. There needs to be a breakthrough somewhere. There needs to be healing somewhere. There needs to be revival in this life. Neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. How many know that if God be for you, who can be against you? I mean, can we talk just as people Just as, hey, I have struggles and you have struggles and and we go through these struggles together. Or sometimes we don't. Because we don't feel we can be honest with those around us about our struggles. That's a sad thing. That within the body of Christ, we have those who feel they can't share what they're struggling with for fear of judgment, for fear of anger, for fear of being rejected. Maybe a couple years ago, Tim, you preached a message 
I was gone. Uh, you were you were you were filling the pulpit for me, and you preached a message about mental illness and about struggling with anxiety. I've had those same struggles. I know other people in this church who have had those same struggles. Can we talk as believers, as believers in Christ together, about what I struggle with and what you struggle with? Can we lean not just on each other, but can we lean on the goodness of God this morning? And then also lean on each other. Last week, during greeting time, we kind of had fun with it where those uh, on this side of the aisle versus, and those on, the le- on this side of the aisle kind of got to know each other a little bit more. Maybe you got to meet somebody you've never met before. You got to shake hands with somebody that you've only seen come into church, but you haven't really connected with. We, as the body of Christ, need to be connected It's kind of funny. It's kind of sad. We say, if God before us, who can be against us? And we say, well, the world is against us. The culture is against us. The media is against us. And I pray that we never say that the church is against us. That the, my, my, my fellow believers are against us. I know this isn't even in my notes. This isn't a part of the sermon. This is just, can we just talk? Yeah. Sam doesn't like it either. If God be for us, who can be against us? Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. This is something we should never forget. But how many know oftentimes we forget? One of my struggles, this, I'm just going to be a little transparent with you this morning because I had the, you know, I was in the hospital with COVID and, and since then, and maybe even a little bit before that, I think it's been happening more since then, but even before that, Caleb, go ahead and stand up if you would. I'm not going to have you say anything, but I could come up to Caleb and look at Caleb. I know Caleb and I wouldn't be able to tell you his name. I look at him and I go, I know this person, but I can't tell who he is. And I go, what? that's scary. So I say to my wife, hey, what's his name again? And she knows, right? It's, I mean, it's kind of funny because I go, hey, hey, what's his name? But I'll look at somebody. You can be seated. Thank you, Caleb. You struggle with things. You go, I don't know what's happening here, but you struggle with things. Now, am I able to tell people that? Without a, without a weird look or a judgment, I don't know. But I know that there's times where I go up to people, and how many know this is just the way it is sometimes, and I can't tell what their name is, and I'll go, hi. Oh, it's so good to see you again. Oh, God bless you. We'll see you next week, all right? And sometimes that's just getting older. You ever... You ever Introduce yourself to someone you have no idea who they are. Oh, God bless you. Good to see you again. I once used to have fun with that. I was at the mall. I was 
17, 16, 17 years old, and I was an idiot. So I went up to this lady randomly, and I was like with my friends. I was like, hey, guys, check this out. This would be funny. So I went up to this lady, and I said, hey, how you doing? And she kind of looked at me and went, uh, good. I go, how'd you enjoy the sermon this last week? And she goes, oh, oh, it, yeah, it was really good. I go, man, that pastor, he is, he's really good. And she goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, who are you? I go, come on, you know. And then she says this. She goes, what church do we go to? I go, come on. Wow, you, you, we just said what a good sermon it was this last week. I'm already breaking down laughing. And she goes, no, no, no. What church do we go to? I go, I, I don't know. I got nothing. She goes, that was pretty good. That was pretty funny. It was just in the middle of the mall, just having fun, just being stupid, right? But how many know there's a lot of times when we run into people and we go, man, I know I know them, but I can't tell their name. I don't know who they are for crying out loud. Who, who are they? Right? And then you go, oh, they were on the other side of the church. I only just met them last week, and they've been coming here for like a year. How many know we need to be connected to each other, right? That was a roundabout way. That was a rabbit trail, Doug. It was a roundabout way of saying we need to know who each other is. We need to know who is part of the body. How many know we forget a lot of things? We forget a lot of things. We forget about all that God has led us through. That's easy to forget. He just brought us through a victory. Then we're in a battle and we go, what's going to happen? He just brought us to the mountaintop. And now we're in the valley and we go, Lord, what's going to happen? And we start wringing our hands with worry and frustration. And Lord, are you going to bring us, bring us out of this? And we forget all the things the Lord has already brought us out of. We forget that His love endures forever. We forget that His faithfulness continues. We forget that we are more than conquerors through Him. Amen? We tend to forget. I like this. In an article written by Lori Wilkerson Stewart, she outlines why forgetting God's goodness is not just a mistake, but many times it leads to sin. Specifically, looking, let's look at the children of Israel. What does forgetting do? Number one, forgetting leads to unbelief. And then rebellion. The children of Israel had just witnessed ten miracles, plagues, on Egypt to, to take them out. They escaped 400 years of slavery. And as soon as they get out, they forget God's goodness. They forget. It says this, they soon forgot His many acts of kindness to them. Instead, they rebelled against Him at the Red Sea. Immediately following this Red Sea miracle, the, the water split, they walk through, the Pharaoh's army is destroyed. They lose hope when they see there's no water source. There's no water source. They lose hope. They start complaining. They start, oh, Egypt was so much better. Repeatedly, the children of Israel forget the miracles of God that He had just done. They grumble. They want to turn back. They demand new leadership. 
they forgot, it led to unbelief, and then it led to rebellion. Number two, forgetting makes us do foolish things. How many know when we forget the goodness of God, sometimes we try to do it ourselves? Sometimes we try to do it ourselves, and it makes us do foolish things. Mount Sinai, the people get tired waiting for Moses to come down the mountain. Say, all right, I know the Lord's been good, but we're going to make this golden cow over here our new God. How quickly people forget what God does for them. You say, Pastor David, I would never do that. Yeah, right. Pastor David, I would never do that. Yeah, right. How many know there's a lot of times where we just get stuck? We are, we just, man, all right, Lord, I know you did this for me you know, last year, but it's a new year. Lord, I know you did this for me yesterday, but now it's a new day. I need a new miracle. And when it doesn't happen the way that you want to see it happen, or it doesn't happen in the circumstances you want it to happen, say, Lord, where were you? I can't believe you wouldn't respond to me. I can't believe you wouldn't act on my behalf. And we forget how good God has been to us. Impatient people do stupid things. When we get impatient, how many know we do stupid things? Number three, forgetting ignites God's anger. Bible says that when Moses saw what the children of Israel had done, in Psalm 106 we see he declared that he would destroy them. That God declared he would destroy the people of Israel. Now, Moses, being the good leader that he is, time after time after time again, steps in and says, God, they need some more mercy. There's a lot of times as a pastor when, we, when I am called to respond with mercy. I'm called to respond with grace. I'll give you a for instance. At some point this morning or last night, somebody taped something to the door. I read it a little bit of it. It was a note. It was a letter. And I don't want to be dismissive. I don't want to be so like, oh, they're quack, they're, they're psycho, which is my first instinct, to be honest with you. And my second one is to say, they probably mean well. They probably mean well. They probably have good intentions. So we respond with grace. You're at church on Sunday morning. Somebody forgets to shake your hand. And you go, I can't believe that guy did not shake my hand. I mean, I walked right past him. He's the pastor of the church. Do we respond with grace? Do we respond with, well, he's you know, probably, probably busy. He's probably putting out fires elsewhere. How many know there's times where our brothers and sisters in the Lord, that are Christians, that are fellow believers, that there's times where they might get on your nerves. Anybody? There's times where they might annoy you. 
might do something to offend you, might respond in a way that angers you. How many have ever been there? How do we respond to them? Do we respond with anger or do we respond with grace and mercy? Moses, time and time again, says, Lord, they just need a little extra mercy. Lord, could you please just give them more, just more mercy? And he saves them time and time again. God's wrath has stopped because Moses steps in. I want to be reminded this morning of what else his word tells us about thanksgiving. Philippians 4.6, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, say every, every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. We don't just approach God with prayer and our request, but we approach God with thanksgiving. Lord, I'm so thankful for what you've done in my life. I know that you can do these things again. And if it would be your will, move in this situation. Not according to my will, but according to his will. Amen? I think we have to be reminded of that a lot of times as believers. Not according to our will, but according to his will. Because we pray over people and we get frustrated when we say they're not healed. They're not delivered. They're not set free. They're still suffering, Lord. What's going on? We, we laid hands on them. We prayed over them. They still died. They still suffered. What's going on? In all things, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Have you ever met someone who's just anxious about everything? I mean, they just wring their hands about everything. Just anxious. And then you meet somebody who's not anxious about anything. There's two sides of the coin there. there uh, if you meet somebody who's always anxious about everything, that's pretty annoying. Right? But then you meet somebody who's not anxious about anything. And that can be also annoying. My wife, at times... Uh, is frustrated by me not worrying about things. Because honestly, I don't, I, there's this, uh, it's, a, it's fine, it'll, it'll work out. God's got this. It, it's, listen, we've gone through this before. And she's like, no, but what about this? What about this? What about this? Because she wants to plan. She wants to plan for what may happen in case of dot, dot, dot. And I go, eh, it'll be all right. Let me tell you, the constant worrier can be annoying, but the non-worrier can be frustrating, right? So there are times in my life, and, and the truth is, there are times in my life where worry takes over. In my life, there's times, right? But more often than not, my attitude is simply that God will take care of it. More often than I'm just like, you know what? I've seen it happen before. God's taken care of us before. God, it'll happen again. God will, God's got it. It drives her nuts. By her, I mean my wife. Because sometimes it may seem like a lack of concern. It may seem that way. But in truth, I see the issue. I acknowledge the issue, even though she may not think I acknowledge the issue. I acknowledge the issue, but I know that God will work it out. 
I like to think of it as divine reassurance. I just go, man, I've seen God do it time and time and time again. We're good. Matthew 6, 34 shows us the words of Jesus about this. I like this. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. How many know each day has got enough trouble? I can worry about tomorrow, but guess what? Tomorrow may never happen. It may never happen. You say, Pastor David, that seems kind of ominous. It's just the way things are. We live in this life. It's a vapor. It's here and it's gone. And so tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. It's not that we don't plan for tomorrow. It's not that we're reckless in everything we do. But we have to remember, where does our trust and faith lie? Amen? Where does our trust and faith lie? We can't forget that the God who brought us from sinfulness to salvation can bring us through anything this world hands out. He brought you from death to life. And you're worried about what's going on in the news? He guarantees your salvation in eternity. And you're worried about what's going to happen in the next four years with this country? Four to six years? Seven years, Doug? I don't know. We look at these things and we get we wring our hands and say, Lord, what are you going to do? And it's not that we don't have concern. It's not that we don't acknowledge the issue. But where does our faith and trust lie? The Lord has called us to be disciples of Christ. Amen? How many know we are called as disciples of Jesus? We're not called as disciples of Donald Trump. Amen? We're not called as disciples of Joe Biden. We're not called disciples of Republicans or Democrats. We are called to be disciples of Christ. I know that it doesn't get too many shouts this morning. We are called to be disciples of Jesus. And so when all these things happen around us, on the left and on the right, with all the junk that's happening right now, God, what are you going to do about these things? God's like, I got this. It's not a surprise. This didn't just come up and, oh, oh, God, oh, you're in a situation now. How are you going to get out of it? God in his omniscience sees all, knows all, saw what would happen, saw how it would happen, saw when it would happen. It's not a surprise to him, so don't get all frustrated and worried about it. Amen? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and thanksgiving. Make your requests made known to God. This morning... I want to know that we've seen God deliver us time and time and time again, right? How many know this isn't just pie in the sky? This isn't just, well, you know, it, it, I, I think this is going to happen. This has been faith that's been tested time and time and time and time and time again. If you've had your faith tested again, you know that it's true. Even when, when it appears that the world is going to crash around us, we know that ultimately our faith lies in the Lord. Our faith lies in Christ. Now, the truth is this. There's some things we worry about. There's some things that we get caught up in. Because the sad thing is, in this world, some people just don't make it. That's a sad thing. Sad truth. 
just speaking of experiences in humanity, right? Some are overtaken by sickness, some are overtaken by pain, some are overtaken by tragedy. Christians that love the Lord may pass away even while still holding on to faith that God will deliver them. And those outside of the Christian faith would say, see, your God didn't deliver you. You're still dying, you're still struggling, you're still in debt, you're still without hope. And to them, I would say that the mindset of the Christian can't be focused just on this temporary life. We need to be focused on eternity. 1 Peter 1, 3-5 says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Say living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or imperishable, it's undefiled, it's unfading, and it's kept in heaven for you. To an inheritance who by God's power, nope, sorry, go ahead, verse 5, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. God in His omniscience sees beginning to end. Amen? He sees your beginning to end. And even though we may struggle and seemingly be overwhelmed or overcome by this world, we have to remember that Jesus has overcome the world. Amen? And that our faith in Him will lead us to eternal glory. When we think of thankfulness, no matter what situation we may be facing in our lives at the moment, we can think of our hope and our future and respond with thankfulness. This morning, it is 11.44. Before we leave, Austin, if you want to make your way forward, I've asked Austin to lead us in worship one more time as we end this service and to do so with a reminder of his goodness. If you'll stand with me this morning. God bless you as we worship together.